Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Leading a successful business transformation is an art. In fact, think of it as a masterpiece painting where the leader, like an artist, must excel in various forms, such as sketching, shading, blending, and definitely perspective. Now, apply this to a 60-year-old mall brand, Players, once known as the place to get your ears pierced. On today's episode of Everything is Better with Creators, we're speaking with Kristen Patrick, EVP and Chief Marketing Officer of Claire's. So what Kristen Patrick as CMO has achieved is truly a masterpiece. And she credits the team's success all based on listening and understanding to what their consumers really want. In fact, in less than 18 months, Kristen and her team have transformed this global retail fleet of 2,800 stores into a must-have for brand fans of all ages. So some notable successes. Claire's has artfully invited consumers and creators into the business. And today, Claire's is a brand focused on self-expression. By listening to their fans, including over 16 million loyalty club members, they have launched Shop and Shops at Galleries Lafayette, Macy's and Walmart, created a hugely successful Roblox game, Shiverville, which includes an accessories line from Roblox creator Megan Plays, and even announced a partnership with none other than Nicola Formichetti, the Japanese-Italian designer known for his collaborations with Lady Gaga. So please join us as we explore the canvas of Claire's transformation, revealing the art and cultural savvy that has made Claire's a brand that is so much bigger than its door. So I'm very proud of what you're doing. Smile for 15 seconds out of day and make the world a better place. Welcome to Everything is Better with Creators, brought to you by Whaler. Join us as we dive into the latest trends, news, and strategies shaping the creator economy. Oh my God, this is a big day. I get to talk to my friend, Kristen Patrick, from Claire's, but I am just, you are everywhere these days. Thank you for taking the time to join us on our podcast. It's an honor. I was looking forward to this all week, Jamie, I have to say. Um, I don't get to spend a lot of time with you now, so it's, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for thinking of me. I'll take you me. any way I can get you, and especially this year. I mean, you have had one of those runs right now, which we as marketing all dream about. Um, first of all, congratulations on being named Forbes's, uh, one of Forbes' entrepreneurial CMOs. And likewise. Mine's old, but yours is fresh, fresh, fresh. But it's, it says a lot because I think that really describes you as you are an entrepreneurial CMO. You've had an incredible career. And, you know, it's interesting having known you through a few stages. It's almost like this was a plan. I mean, you have you have every skill set in your toolbox that would be required for someone to be successful. So from what I know, it's like retail, CPG, publishing, gaming. I mean, just to get into this for a second before we get into what you're doing today. Did you have a plan 
I wish I did. I remember I was sitting on a panel a couple years ago and um, everybody on the panel was talking about how they like, like planned every move in their career and they, you know, were thinking about um, every single job move they took. I wasn't so planful, Jamie. I really wasn't. I mean, listen, I am so freaking grateful for every single opportunity that has come my way. And um, I just, I, I never planned. And um, I, I just, I sort of followed my gut. If the brand uh, and company spoke to me, you know, I was, I was more apt to do it. Um, and I've been really lucky, you know, I've had people sort of come, come back from my past to say, Hey, there's an opening. I want you for this or that. And, you know, I, I wish I was a much more planful person, but no, I was not. And, you know, hopefully there's others like that. Um, um, but, but yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. Well, I guess that's good. Cause I mean, not everybody does have a plan or what do they say? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. So, you know, who cares about a plan, but for the people that are listening, the idea of, you know, you've had this blockbuster 18 months. I don't know who doesn't know who Claire's is, but for the three people on the planet that might not, could you help us just level set on why this is, you know, I, we're going to get into why this is so incredible, but like, tell us about Claire's number of stores, locations. What's, you know, give us, give us the skinny in case somebody out there doesn't know what Claire's is. So Claire's is a 60 year old brand and it is a global fleet of retail stores. We've got about 2,800 locations around the world. And it was really set up by um, a family back in the day. Um, and they wanted to focus on self-expression. And, you know, the founder used to say that the brand was ageless. It could appeal to somebody in their 50s. It could appeal to, you know, a very young girl. And a lot of the equity that I think has been built up over the years still stands true today. I didn't know, you know, it's funny, back in the day when I was at CAA, Claire's was a client. Jim Fielding was the CEO back then. So I spent a fair amount of time in their offices in Chicago and I do, it just reminded me that it is a brand about self-expression, which timing is everything. What a great time to be about with a brand about self-expression. Couldn't be better. It is for everybody. Who is your customer though? Do you have 50-year-old women? Is I know about, I mean, most people know about it from getting their ears pierced, but who's your audience today? People usually enter the brand during a rite of passage, right? So we've been doing ear piercing for a really long time. So you often get a first piercing. And then your relationship kind of carries over through the years. You are, we're with you for, you know, proms and, and first graduations and, um, you know, bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and, you know, uh, holidays. And um, oftentimes you stay with us until you're about 13 years old. And then you start to drop out of the brand. And what we're finding is that consumers come back again at about the age of 18. So, you know, I don't know what that phenomenon is. I have a hunch that it's, you know, you're going into college and you uh, don't have a ton of money to spend and you still want cool looks and fast fashion. So you sort of circle back around to Claire's. And then what ends up happening is as you're becoming a parent, you bring your kid back into Claire's. So it's kind of this generational thing. But most of what I'm focused on is really the um, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, who I lovingly refer to as the Zalphas. Yeah, I've heard you talk about that a little bit. Uh, unpack that for us a little bit, because that's a Kristen, that's a Kristen statement. And I, I don't want to assume anybody understands that. Alphas are the generation 
coming up after Gen Z, right? So Gen Z, we, you'll read all different um, things about what that age group comprises, but for us, it's 13 to 24. And then 13 and under are the alphas. The Zs and the alphas actually have a lot in common. And, you know, it is one of the most creative, entrepreneurial group of consumers who are, you know, about to light the world on fire. And this is a a group of people, particularly the alphas, who never knew a world without Siri. Um, And so I just think that there's a real fascination for businesses and brands right now to understand, you know, who are these people? Um, The other thing I love about them is that they, and I think it's because of their millennial parents, like design and um, quality is, is really imperative to them. And I don't know, that just speaks to me. Like, I feel like I'm part of this generation, even though I'm much, much older, but um, you know, bringing back somebody like Nicola Formichetti to work with us on the brand, like that quality and sort of design level and art artistry is important to this generation. It really is. I, and, and just to add on to that, because I, I love this because Zianapo, there is more of a crossover and the, this idea of generations has shifted since we've been starting in marketing back in Oh Dark 30 uh, Gen X are the parents of Z's and millennials are the parents of alpha, but there's obviously some crossover. And I, I do think that the concept of better design, it's a really great insight there. I hadn't really thought about that. Where do you think that comes from? Is it the visibility? Is it just everybody can see what good design is? How do you, that's, that's such an interesting insight. Back in the 2000s, you had the onslaught of the massification of design, right, with Target. And I think that you can't talk down to your consumer anymore. I think that that's like really important to consumers now. And I think that even um, little known, super high end haute couture designers are on the radar screens of the masses. So I really feel like that's something that's been going on for for a while. And I just think that, you know, consumers want good design and it's important. And, you know, there was something I read about millennials in particular and millennial parents, like they really love like super streamlined, simplistic design. And when we went back to sort of reinvent what Claire's was going to look like, you know, we really took a a cue and a page from um, like, you know, Japanese design and Japanese retail, just like really clean, simple, um, and and really wanted to sort of emulate that in the in the brand design. This is so fascinating just to just to hear the evolution and part of what, why getting to do this podcast is so fun is because you get to get behind the scenes on what's going on with marketers. And I don't think unless you've been in that seat, it's hard for people to understand the the machinations and the challenge and the struggle of what you're doing because you know you you're talking about this like oh we we went into the design and we looked at you know, Japanese design, but what's your, what's your time frame? your supply chain? Like how long ago was it that you started to look at that to get to where you are now? And I do want to talk about the product, but like that, that didn't just happen overnight. It was a, a pretty long process because if you think about Claire's, like it's known for the purple, you know, we, we, we know that from talking to consumers and I've done this for a lot of companies now at this point, you know, it was a complete reinvention. Um, the last thing when I got to the company that was written about the brand was if you Googled it, it said that Claire's, you know, had been bankrupt. And so, you know, to go from zero to hero in, you know, basically a year and a half has been astounding. I'm really humble about it because I listen, I think everybody's career ebbs and flows. 
I don't know. I thought like when I got to be the CMO of Pepsi, like, man, I'd, I'd like reached it, you know, but for whatever reason, people like love this brand and they love like reading about it. We started off in a place where, you know, it was a lot of talking to consumers. Um, I went back, I, I learned about the family and the founder. We talked to, to um, a lot of, a lot of consumers. We reached out to, you know, people in the design community to hear what was going on. We looked around the world to take inspiration from what was happening in retail. And I had this like, intuition about something that my daughter and I had experienced. Um, I don't know if you remember the old uh, Colette in Paris, but that that bottom floor was just like a cacophony of, you know, the coolest stuff. It, it ranged in terms of price point, like Olivia could find a gummy eraser and a piece of candy and I would get like a beautiful journal. And that bizarre concept um, is, is somewhat what Claire's massified in a way. So when we started to think about, you know, what was important for the brand, um, we, we actually took a lot of inspiration from that. And then I started to surround the brand with um, just sort of like-minded souls who were childlike in terms of their thinking and really kind of got the whole concept of it being ageless. From there, we started to embark on the graphic design and the design system and, you know, what should the retail experience look like? You know, slowly rolling out. It takes time because we have such a massive fleet. The store experience, uh, the first new one that we did with Nicola was in Paris. I just think trying to turn heads a little bit, you know, we had no business being at Fashion Week. It's like Chanel and Claire's um, and we did an event there. So, so I just think it's about having fun, not taking yourself too seriously and every step of the way, really talking to consumers, because um, if you want to try something that's a little out there, you have to sell it into the board and your CEO. And as long as the consumers behind you, like things seem to be going OK so far. I'll say they're they're going OK so far. I mean, you're it's you're beloved. And I hear people talking about Claire's in the in the most unusual places. This idea of talking to consumers, because you've not only talked to consumers, but you've brought them in. Um, I'm going to jump around a little bit because I, I do want to talk about the product, but I guess this is a good point to talk about your, the famous Claire's interns who are helping spread the word in such a tremendous way. Claire's has been noted as not only just having this business turnaround and being a, a brand of self, self-expression, but really having this finger on the pulse moment with your creator strategy the interns, the product, how do you help people think through this? That's really scary. I can't even imagine the conversation when you went to the board. Can you share a little bit of that? And I know that we're, we're going to probably press you for things that you don't want to tell us, but I'm asking humbly as a fan, tell us what you can tell us. I am lucky enough to have like a CEO work with me. Like we are yin and yang truly, right? He has um, skills that he's amazing at and we, we talk and, you know, sometimes we don't agree, but I will say that he has been very open to trying new things. And, you know, the board is the same. Obviously when I sort of presented like this is where we're going with the brand. There was a little bit of concern about alienating the core consumer and where are you going? And we talked through all of that. It is a very, very lively board of really smart, credited, esteemed people. They understood that Claire's was much bigger than its doors. Like they understood the opportunity to take this and really create a brand. Um, Because if you think about there aren't a lot of retailers out there who can 
get to the level of, of being a brand. I think that the business is very transactional in terms of how they think about themselves. So, you know, the vision always was to become um, a global brand powerhouse. So I got really lucky because to me, there's a distinction between commercial transactions, but we're trying to build something that consumers said they wanted from us. They said, we love the brand. We want more. We want you to decorate our dorms. We want you to give us apparel to go along with the accessories. Content came up as something that was important to them. They don't think in terms of like physical and digital. It's like the worlds collide and merge. So we had to figure out how to like speak their language. Hey, listeners, hang tight. We're not going anywhere. Our Everything is Better with Creators podcast will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm going to go back to something you just said. We're a brand that's bigger than our doors. That's a really powerful statement. And when you say it, it's so simple. And yet I get it because you are an experience. I am going to have you go back to the creators, but one of the things that I think that you've done incredibly well is you've built a brand that has unlocked participation from the fan base. A lot of brands, and we know them, it's I'm the brand. I have my brand guidelines. I'm going to go out into the world on send and you will experience the brand as I see fit. Well, you've turned that completely on its head and have really built a strategy that's about brand as participation, that's a baller move, man. That's because you're really, um, you're giving the freedom to your fans, but obviously they love it. How does that manifest? Like, how do you get the information back? And then how do you, is there like a war room? Do you sit with your team and, and like go, oh my gosh, did you know that they wanted us to create apparel? Like, what is that like? I don't think we have it down to a science as much as, uh, you know, like having having a war room, but we do take the information as it's coming in. I mean, I have to tell you what I had. I remember I had a conversation with you when I first started and you were like creator economy, like what does that look like? And I was really inspired by that in doing this discussion with consumers. Like it just came up time and time again. Like we want to be part of the brand. We want to have a voice, particularly because of the way I was trained, you know, as a marketer, like it was very much this image that you had to portray. So letting go was hard for me. And in fact, you know, my head of social media always pushes and reminds me that we need to, we need to really turn the brand over to consumers. So that program that we launched for college interns has been amazing. And one of the students had the best performing TikTok ever for us. And we were like, oh my gosh, what, like, what just happened? It was definitely about giving back to students, but, and, and, you know, kind of giving them the ability to learn about marketing and business, but it was also like, holy cow, like there's something here. Really, there is something here. And have you, is there a product or an inspiration from either the interns or the community that has 
informed product that you were surprised by? I know you guys did a lot with Y2K. That was major. I know you have a line of licensed products, which is adorable. Hershey and Pepsi and Fruit Loops and all that stuff. But like what what's been inspired by your audience? Because I think that's a real and I and I say that not just from a retail perspective, but from a helping brands and marketers who might be listening and for, for creators understand the power of this two way. And so that it's it's a partnership now and the and you guys are representing what can happen when you let that really become fruitful. So there's a couple of things that you're going to see from us. We really listened when they said, we want you to go outside of, you know, some of the core businesses that you've been selling for many, many years. It's always been about accessories and, you know, toys. And but when they said we want apparel and we want, you know, you to decorate our dorms and home, we're listening. We also will have a line of products coming out soon that's linked to some of the characters in our Roblox game. Oh, yay. I want to talk about that. Yes. So so you'll start to see that from us. The other thing that we we are doing a lot is, you know, we have 16 million people in our loyalty program. And so we're constantly talking to them and watching what's selling. One of the things to me that's really important, though, is like watching what the competition is doing as well. For the first time um, in consumer research this year, something interesting showed up and the consumer kept talking about their shopping Instagram brands, Instagram brands. And it came up like multiple times. I was like, what the heck are they talking about Instagram brands? And it was really about the way they were shopping on Instagram and TikTok and some of the social platforms. Like it's become so integrated. Sometimes you don't even, you'll watch a video and you'll click to buy and you're not even watching what the brand is. So I think that that's like the future of where it's all going to go from like a digital commerce perspective. We have our e-commerce platform, but I'm thinking much more about going horizontal in the digital space. It's like, yes, Claire's.com, but how am I speaking to consumers within our socials and within um, Roblox? And so, so it's become, I think, much a much larger landscape and opportunity than just, you know, spending millions and millions of dollars on driving consumers to Claire's.com because that's not necessarily how they're shopping anymore. And that's probably a, was a huge shift in thinking for the people who are writing the checks and supporting this bold vision, getting people to understand. I mean, I remember when it was just getting people to understand that if you go to Claire's.com, it's not going to capitalize Claire's in the, in the stores. Now you're saying take it even further. And it kind of reminds me of when Remember when Domino's, when they started to first talk about that they're not a uh, pizza company, that they're a they're a delivery company that happens to make pizza, and they made it so that you could buy Domino's for pretty much everywhere in your PlayStation, everywhere. It's I I don't know if that I'm putting words in your mouth, but what you just said about orienting this horizontally, it's like anywhere you want to buy something fun from Claire's, you can buy it. Is that? Yeah, that is kind of how I'm thinking about it. It's interesting because on the um, brick and mortar side, we've done that, right? So we've taken Claire's out of its owned and operated channels and we're starting to distribute it in Macy's. You know, you can find us in Gallery Lafayette and in Paris. Um, we're in Walmart. So consumers, that's how they're shopping. So we went there from a brick and mortar perspective. And so now it's time to sort of take what we're doing from a digital perspective and, you know, kind of based on what they were telling us. There's a a really brilliant woman that I had the pleasure of, of working with back in the day. Her name's Michelle Goad. I don't know if you remember Michelle from back in the day, but she 
always says that Gen Z and Gen Alpha girls are running our product roadmap. We just don't realize it. You do because you're in the business, but I think they run the product roadmap for pretty much every business. And most people don't realize the, the, the power of that. And I'd had a, a, a really, Ann Lunas once said to me, she just left Adobe, but she said, you know, most people in companies, they organize their businesses vertically. You've got your retail, you've got your e-commerce, you've got your supply chain, whatever it is, it's all vertical. But the consumer, your girl, shops horizontally. They don't care if it's a different team. They don't care. They want the product when and where they want it and how they want it. And it seems intuitive, but not an easy lift to get an entire machine to revolve around that. Does that affect your supply chain and your marketing in terms of how you do that? Yes. Listen, this has been such a dramatic shift. What this like new leader, executive leadership team has done in the course of a, you know, a, a couple of years, really, it's affected everything because we were a fleet of owned and operated retail stores for 60 years. We are now selling to, you know, Walmart and all of the other distribution locations. I think that a lot of, you know, retail companies uh, who started in brick and mortar didn't necessarily naturally take to uh, running an e-commerce channel. So it's been a pretty significant shift. And also even, you know, just a tremendous amount of um, change management in the organization because you are shifting from just thinking about yourself as a fleet of retail stores to a brand and almost operating like a consumer, a CPG company. It's so interesting. Okay, so let's talk about Shimmerville and Roblox because you've got Megan Plays, who many people don't know is one of the world's largest, most popular, most beloved Roblox players and really brilliant. She did a collection. Yeah, she's selling. We have a line of Megan Plays products. They're doing really, really well. We have um, other sort of gaming related products. Afmao is doing really well for us. This is just, you know, a huge area of interest for our consumers. So we want to make sure that we're there. But the Shimmerville journey has been, I would say, pretty fantastic and a huge learning curve for the company. You know, we took a 60-year-old brand into Metaverse. Thank God, like it all went smoothly, Jamie, because it was a pretty big undertaking. One of the things that we set out to do was to create our own intellectual property. For many, many years, Claire's has sold studios products and, you know, we, we're, we get behind the Little Mermaid and Barbie. And so, you know, we're right there with all of those properties. But we started to think about, could we create our own piece of intellectual property? Um, so we did it with Shimmerville. I just remember the conversations internally, like, why are you not calling it Claire's? It should be a Claire's game. And we said, we think that there is more potential to create something that has, I guess, long, like longer legs. It can be content. It can be a game. It can be product that will eventually sell in store. I think that was the right side of the fence to be on. I'm looking at a lot of brands who've had to pull out of Roblox lately because uh, it is so promotional. So I think that, thank God, we did make that decision. It's a really smart strategy. And also you did something that most brands don't realize. It's, it's about the creators who are in Roblox who take the message outside of Roblox and bring it to life in sort of a 360 way. And that's a that's really, I think, one of the hidden secrets to winning in these spaces and then translating it to life. Because as you said, we'll go back to your analysis on generations. They don't make a distinction. It's digital. It's, it's all one thing. And if I'm enjoying it in Roblox, why can't I buy it? That is probably 
one of the things that most brands don't get, but hearing it from you will remind them now, yes, it does work and it is important. How are you approaching your TikTok, paid media, where you're trying to get the message across? Is that something that you can talk a little bit about for our creator audience? You know, we do a lot of paid digital, uh, we're full funnel. So we do full funnel marketing. Well, you know, I, I am still a big believer in out of home. My team laughs at me, but I think if you do it strategically, I think that, you know, we did something in New York right across the street from where uh, fashion week was going on. And, um, I still, I still love that when you're turning a brand around, but we do everything from, you know, out of home to, you know, buying ads on TikTok and Instagram. And I have to tell you, that's, it's been a bit of a challenge for us. A lot of brands are suffering from this, but to create the kind of content that you need for TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and YouTube shorts, it really places brands in the space of having to become a publisher of content, right? And so I got to this 60-year-old company and the marketing department created retail signage. And that was the, you know, the purview of the experience. So within a really short time, we had to become a full funnel um, marketing group. So creators have been a huge part of that for us. The college intern program has been amazing. And we're still trying to, you know, get up to speed in terms of being able to shoot on the fly. We have a content studio uh, based in Chicago and, you know, what I want to start to do is on Monday, we come up with the idea on Tuesday, we go into pre-pro Wednesday and Thursday. Those are our shoot days so that we can have a constant churn and burn of um, content coming out of the company. You need so much content. I know. Well, I, I would say thank God, because otherwise we wouldn't have a business. But it's a great opportunity for those who are excited about creating content. But it is a big it's a big lift for brands. One of the things, you know, this the week we're recording this is um, New Fronts. And it's an interesting time. I did hear that because of all of the shifts in audience that the premium for traditional uh, media is up like 40% out of home is at a premium. So that's happening. And I also heard a really interesting stat. I'm going to throw this out here and see what you think. Deloitte did a study and they said that over the last six months, Gen Z and millennials are churning from SVOD. Pretty consistently, 57% and 62% for Gen Z and millennials. And it's not that SBOT is losing out to social video. It's that the Gen Z and millennial audiences are more focused and loving the on-demand social video. Like they're, they prefer it over going to a show, which I think is, that sort of stopped me in my path that people would rather scroll on TikTok or scroll on Reels or on shorts to get content. And they they like it as much, if not more, because it's free. So that's that's part of it. And part of it's because it can foster community. It's easily accessible. And that kind of rocked me as a marketer to hear that. And then on top of that, I looked at it from the other side of the fence, which is creators can now develop content and the videos that they create can live simultaneously without any kind of editing on shorts, TikTok, and Reels. Like they can put the same video on all three channels. So you've got this shift where more eyeballs and younger audiences are looking for this content. You've got brands that need to create more content. And now you've got creators who actually might be finding some efficiencies with how they create content. But that's a big, wacky sort of collection of, of data points. And I'm throwing this at you without any prep. Does that... 
lead to any implications to you? I'm kind of just throwing it around in my mind going, what does this mean? Oh my gosh, it means so many things. So brands have to take their cues from what creators are doing, right? So so I think that, you know, what, what you just said is really important to me. They're shooting one piece of content. They're, did you say they're not editing it? They're really not editing it. They're using it cross-platform. And I mean, I really take my cues from what they're doing. Like our, our little college intern, brilliant. Like that piece of content performed really well. I just think that there's going to be more and more of watching what, you know, real users of the platforms are doing and brands are going to be take, taking a lot more inspiration and cues from them. It used to be, and you do have to have some platform specific, obviously it has to be vertical. There's some cues from each platform, but by and large, you can shoot a piece of video and then post it for social across those three platforms, which to me is interesting because then you can see what works and where you have traction and, and what's what people are responding to. And then you could go dive in, put paid behind it and really go go beyond what you couldn't do in traditional media, because we all know you do storyboards on a commercial You'd shoot it. Somebody doesn't like it. You can't really go reshoot it. You try to edit it. It's a nightmare. And I will make a distinction. It's less optimal to take a traditional TVC and edit it for TikTok and this other social video channel. That doesn't work. But you can now do this. So to me, where I see an opportunity is for the brands that are willing to play in this field and do what you're saying, like have a schedule, be nimble. You can start to get content at scale in ways that you have not been able to do uh, previously. So I, I don't know what that says for brands that are not entering into this space, but it feels like the pace of change is about to accelerate drastically. I think that's true. I think it's already there. Like I say, I think that um, this has been one of the biggest hurdles for marketing departments to overcome. I mean, even when I was at Pepsi, we were thinking about it. We, we built the Creators League um, during my tenure there. And, you know, you move from six television spots a year to, you know, three 3,000 pieces of content a day. And what does that look like? So I think that this is like one of the biggest challenges that brands will face. You know, I love this term that I actually stole from um, Gary Vee. It's, they talk about DJing your assets. So it's like you shoot something and they do, you do exactly what you're talking about. It's like you DJ the assets based on the platform, but it's really based on that one piece of production. And then you can sort of watch to see, oh, okay, this is actually, we're getting traction here. Let's put some media dollars behind that. So it's a 24 7 job now to stay on top of all of that. My colleague says you can no longer post and ghost. You got to post it. You got to watch it. You got to nurture it. You got to see what works. And then you got to go back around and, and keep doing this. The other thing that we're seeing and we're talking a lot about is this idea of a community flywheel where you get people into the flywheel based on the creator being relevant, the content being interesting, the content being entertaining, but to really capture the imagination and attention of people, you've got to give the community the ability to co-create because that's when the algorithm starts to kick in and it goes exponentially larger because you can't really engineer virality, but you can engineer co-creation. And that's that's a big lesson that we're seeing in the last couple of months that's really having a big impact. And if you have legions of fans like yours who are co-creating with you all the time. I feel like Claire's is going to get even bigger and better over the next, you know, six, 12 months. And we should be watching you as sort of a masterclass and how to do this. We're trying to, you know, I, 
I've instituted what I'm calling our content supply chain. Like I'm taking the content supply chain as seriously as we take our product supply chain. And we, we have weekly meetings on our content supply chain. And what does that look like? And what are we shooting? And what are we doing? And like I say, we haven't perfected it yet, but we're going to get there really, really fast because, because we really have to. It's a number of reps. It's your 10,000 hours. You're doing it. It's a new skill. It's no longer your agency sitting there. And six months later, you get a TVC that costs you millions of dollars. There's the volume of it, especially with a an e-com platform because you have PDPs. You need a ton of content. I don't know if it's the 3,000 pieces of content a year, what the number is, but it's exponentially greater than it, than it certainly used to be. That's for sure. For sure. For sure. I'm going to get into our final segment here, and you've been so generous with your time. I do have one question. I want to be ahead of the curve in terms of what people are going to be wearing. What do I need to go buy? I'm going to go buy some uh, Claire's accessories. What am I, what should I be getting? What should I be looking out for? That's, that's hot. Oh my gosh. This is probably a better question for our merchants, but we try to stay ahead of the curve, right? But I I have to tell you, you cannot ignore the um, stealth wealth thing that's going on right now for coming out of succession. And I think that that's going to be, uh, that's a great thing for Claire's because we do non-branded stuff. So I think you're going to start to see a lot of from Claire's things in, in terms of that. Stealth wealth. Okay. Quiet luxury. Quiet luxury. Quiet luxury. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. So our final segment, we do something called sink, sail, swim, and we could do it in any order. But what do you see in the marketing world, the creator economy? What do you see that's not working? That's a complete sink. That's just not working well that you would advise people to stop doing immediately or that you have seen that you think is you know, just you can't believe it's happening that people are doing this. It's a very odd time that we live in because while I want to say like stop with the highly curated, super high production valued stuff, like there's a place for it. There's a place and a time for it. I don't necessarily know if there's something that would sink you. Um, I'd have to really give that some thought. No problem. Okay. S- something that you see that uh, we'll just do it in two. What do you see working incredibly well? Like what is something that is just is just sailing away that you think is just killer that you you love and want to do more of? I love brands that aren't afraid to challenge their status quo and shift. Like I love brands that kind of do shocking things. I love the thing that Tiffany just did where they took that old building over and dusted it off. Any brand that is, you know, starting to think about web three and I'm really into AI right now and you know what, what that's going to look like. So I think that that, that is where we should all be thinking. 100%. 100%. I, I did see the, did you see the, I think you say Jacques Mou, the, the purses in France and they took over the buses. Love. That, come on. I, that is my favorite. We did a storefront in Paris with like these blobs floating around and we said something is coming. And that was one of our, our best performing things on Instagram. Just doing something that's unexpected. It takes bravery though. It takes bravery. Yeah. Because we did get some comments like, what are those body parts? Are those organs floating? Are those, you know, and the team was a little bit like, ah, but it's still like, it was fine. Like we got so much out of it. And, you know, I want to, I want to do more of that. In fact, I actually want to put out products where it's like, wait a second, is that real? Is that, can I really get that? Is that, I just think it creates this like energy around your, your business and brand. Oh, I, I love that. We'll be watching and celebrating and I'm going to Claire's and I'm going to be looking for some new things to be wearing. Maybe I'll see you uh, soon in person. And I'll be wearing some, some gear. 
So thank you so much, Kristen. This is amazing. We're celebrating you. We're watching. We're observing. We talk about you guys in meetings all the time with our clients and really are celebrating across all the different categories. Like our tech clients are watching you, our automotive clients. Everyone's kind of checking out this, this incredible success. So I'm thrilled and so honored that you shared your words of wisdom. Oh my gosh. Well, I am a huge fan of yours, Jamie, and what you're doing with Whaler is just incredible. And thank you for having me. Thank you. Everything is Better with Creators is honored to be part of the Adweek Podcast Network and the Acast Creator Network. And we're so grateful for your support. So if you enjoyed the show, please hit that subscribe button. And if you have a moment, we'd really appreciate a rating and a review. up with all things whaler and the latest in the creator economy check us out at whaler.com and follow us on instagram twitter and linkedin i'm jamie goodfriend signing off for now we'll catch you next time with another episode of everything is better with creators powered by whaler thanks so much for tuning in